Here come the blue shirts. If you weren't awake to play in that kind of game, then you weren't made to play hockey in Madison Square Garden. He's got experience in the streets and in the alleys. <laughs> and in the yes. alleys. He will whoop your ass. <laughs> and I'm looking better now than I did before. Ron, it's all means. your fault. It's over for all of you. Once I'm on the team. Well, you're going to have to let me dress you, though. <laughs> oh, 100%. You cannot, that, that's going to be Ron Duguay's third act. Molly off the air. Wow. <laughs> Molly off the air. a whole different person. Yeah. Up in the He'll blue be court side and I'll be up in the blue seat. <laughs> Here's Heedle with a shot save. Yeah, you gotta push yourself and be competitive in practice and it translates into games. I was like, really? Like, you want me? Me to go? Am I hearing this right? Uh, glad I made most of it. Miller moves it on Swayman. And scores! Rangers win! He's confident. He feels good about his game. And it's going to shoot it. Winner's pretty good for him tonight. Well, hey there. Welcome back to Up in the Blue Seats, our New York Rangers podcast from the New York Post. That montage you just heard was courtesy of MSG. In it, you heard from Jake Truba, DeAndre Miller, and Coach Gallant after their 2-1 to shootout win against the Bruins on Tuesday night, which was their first game back since the All-Star break. I'm Andrew Hartz, and again, for the podfather, Jake Brown, and boy, am I glad to be here after that W on Tuesday. I mean, I personally love it when the Blue Shirts get a W, but it's always a little nicer, especially when you get it against Boston, just my opinion. I know it's been a couple weeks since we last talked, and we sure missed you, but don't you worry, we've got a heck of a show for you. The great hockey historian and former MSG Network contributor Stan Fischler will join us a little later. And we'll also be joined by the great Larry Brooks. But first, before we do any of that, let's get into it with the Rangers beat reporter for the New York Post. She survived her 57th trip to Las Vegas this season, or something like that. She is the queen of the New York Post, Miss Molly Walker, and her co-host. He is the former Ranger and one of the singers of that classic rock hit, Hockey Sock Rock. It's number 10, Ron Duguay. Well, hi, Andrew, and thank you. Yes, it's good to be back. It's hard when the Rangers are not playing, and I, I love talking Rangers, but I do miss them playing. And last game against Boston, wow, didn't know what to expect after a two-week layoff. They came back, and it was so entertaining. They took us into the overtime and then the shootout. And a lot of the talk after that game was Igor, Igor. Um, so lots to talk about today. Molly be with us. And I'm sure she's going to share with us her experience of being in Vegas on her time off. But And, of course, Larry Brooks, who's always uh, – and I want to ask him about coaching because we're really seeing a difference with this team this year when it comes to uh, Coach Gallant. And then my friend, a longtime friend, who I've been connected to with – uh, since 1977, and that's Stan Fischler, the Maven. He's always got the best stories, and he's going to share with us uh, his new book book that he's coming out with. And uh, so much to talk about. Molly, please share with us how your time off was and that other experience of being in Las Vegas. Vegas was a lot of fun. I'll tell you, Florida has has a tough act to follow for the 2023 All-Star Weekend because I don't really think, I mean, granted, this was my first All-Star Weekend, so I'll preface it with that, but I don't think 
any city could really could really beat it. It was but it was just so full of life and what a great time. I had a lot more downtime than I thought I would, which was I'm not complaining about that. Uh, got to go out a little bit, uh, explore. But I think the the skills competition and the game, especially the skills competition, the breakaway challenge was just unbelievable. So much fun. Players getting to show their personalities. It really was a, a really good time. But getting down to the Rangers last uh, game against Boston, just Igor Shosturkin. That is really the only thing I have to say about that game. And, and as someone who, you know, obviously... I've been off. I haven't written a game story in a really long time. And, and that game was a dud up until the overtime. And I was saying to Larry sitting right next to me, I don't even know what to write about. I don't even know how I'm going to fill all this space. And then I'm, you know, buried in my head's buried in my computer during overtime. because I'm just trying to write something. And then he Larry nudges me and I look up. And Shesterkin is slamming a stick against the boards. And I'm like, oh, my God. And he's like concussion protocol, like he's getting pulled. And I was like, oh, my God. I literally pressed the enter bar on my Word document, just pressed the whole story down, went right to the top and just wrote Igor Shesterkin slammed his stick. Like that just immediately became my lead. And then the fact that he came back out, he said that he was in there. It didn't even feel like 10 minutes. He filled out a concussion protocol questionnaire, he said. And he got cleared to come back out. And he comes out. I think he stopped seven of the nine shooters that he saw, which a nine-round shootout, just Jesus. Um, But, I mean, what an unbelievable story. And uh, he's just – there's really nothing more that you could say about him. He's just been the backbone of this team for the entire season. And and to start the last 35 games of the regular season on that kind of note just really shows how important – Shesterkin is going to be to the Rangers down the stretch here. Yeah, Molly, the, the um, really nice thing, advantage that you have over all of us is being in that dressing room and being able to see these guys and see some of their personalities off the ice. Because on the ice, they got their game face off on. Then they're in the dressing room. They become themselves. And with Igor, how would you, because you covered Lundqvist, uh, how would you how would you describe his personality with what you've seen so far? You know, he's intense while he's on the ice, which uh, most goaltenders are. Henrik was was the same way, but he definitely has a bit more of a of a team first kind of personality away from the ice. Um, we were trying to ask him about the Vesna Trophy, how his name has been in the conversation, and he no, I don't speak English. Mm-mm. No, he's he's not even <laughs> not even going to touch that, not even going to acknowledge it. And, you know, it was it was perfect. We all got such a kick out of it. And even uh, after the game against Boston, he voiced his frustration about the concussion protocol, which I, uh, was great for, for me as a writer, getting to include that, his opinion on it. I, I know a lot of players are sometimes hesitant to do that, which I understand, but it was a little ridiculous. I mean, if he really if they were really concerned about him, you either keep him out you don't you don't take him out with 40 seconds left to go in overtime. You either take him out and he's out for, for good. I, I know Gerard Gallant thought that he was done for the night, but he came back out immediately. So I, I was just wondering, is that the real protocol? Did they mess up? I, I don't know. It was, it was a little weird. I, I don't know how he would be able to return that quickly if there were legitimate concussion concerns, but he said he blew through the questionnaire that they gave him. But, and when, when he said that, all I could picture was Igor sitting in the locker room on like a Scantron or something like that, 
like filling out like a, a you know, like the ABCD levels on a test that you would yeah. see in college. But he came right out. But yeah, he's he's definitely got a personality on him. And, and it's great when when we're in practice and we have the we shut the cameras off because um, he's obviously more comfortable speaking through a translator in those sorts of situations. But when it's just me and a couple of the other writers, he's definitely a lot more comfortable and, and he speaks in relatively perfect English. You can always make out what he has to say. So it's it's uh, he's definitely a pleasure to cover. And, and we love when he shows his personality like that. It's always a treat. Yeah. Well, what's a treat for us is that we can pick your brain on <laughs> things that, that you may know as far as whispers of possible trades for the New York Rangers. With the Rangers keep winning, they appear like not only they're going to make the playoffs, but they are going to be a Stanley Cup contender, especially when you talk about Igor. So are you hearing anything, any possibilities out there with any player? And that's something we're going to ask Larry a little later on. But is there anything that you could share with us? You know, we're definitely going to get into this with Larry a little bit later um, about specifics. And I know that as we get closer to the trade deadline, we'll probably do a trade deadline show. But you can take it to the bank that the Rangers are going to get a middle six forward before the deadline, or at least sometime in the near future. I mean, with with the injuries to Sammy Blay, season-ending ACL tear, Capo Caco is now going to be out another month after missing, I think, six games before the All-Star break. So this is the longest stretch of his career that he's been out. And it's just been very apparent how thin the Rangers are up front when you've got guys like Greg McKegg in the lineup full time, obviously that's not ideal. Greg McKegg is an ideal depth player in my book. So when he's kind of a staple on that fourth line, it's it's uh, not ideal for the Rangers. So you could definitely take it to the bank that I expect the Rangers uh, to acquire a middle six or top six forward. We're going to talk to Larry about JT Miller. That's a possibility as well. I know some Ranger fans would like to see that. Others wouldn't. <laughs> I've seen pretty pretty mixed reviews on that. I, I'm curious, Ron, what do you think about JT Miller? Do you think that, that that he's somebody that the Rangers could use? Oh, absolutely. Especially the fact that he's wearing number 10. <laughs> right? I loved him. That matters. Yeah. That matters. I, I, when I watch a player, you look at him as uh, his skill level. And uh, then you look at how he competes. And I felt he was a player that... Uh, that competed hard and had skill. Uh, he played hard during times where, you know, when you get uh, in tough games, certain players show up. And JT Miller was one, it was that guy. And now when you go back to uh, when he first started as a young man, he would make mistakes. And Coach Vignal would always kind of sit him back, not get that ice time. But eventually he got it. There are times where you take chances and there are times you don't. But his compete level, I really like. And he went to Vancouver and he got that quality ice time. He got the coach that allowed him to be him. And now we're seeing a player that's a top six player. So I always liked JT Miller. I think he would be a great fit. Now I have to ask you, Molly, we're going to have Stan, Stan Bissler on the Maven. And why don't you set it up for us on your thoughts on him and what he has meant to you? Because you uh, worked as an intern with him, correct? I did. I did. Uh, Stan, uh, Stan really holds such a dear place in my heart. He was one of my first mentors of my entire career. I think I worked for him. I want to say it was summer going into my sophomore year at UMass. I worked out of his his apartment in New York City and I would do everything under the sun for him from typing up his articles, looking up 
stats and, and research for his articles. And sometimes I dust his bookshelf and dust his Emmys and maybe vacuum a little bit if, if he needed it. So it definitely was a, a, a character building internship for sure. It was very unconventional, but uh, Stan has been just irreplaceable to my career. I would say he's, we've obviously kept in touch after the fact, and he's connected me with sources and connected me with people in the industry that I otherwise probably wouldn't have met, especially during this pandemic, just not being able to meet people in person and things like that. So getting that grand intro introduction from someone like Stan Fischler, it definitely holds a lot of weight for people in, in the hockey world. And he's just, uh, I know that he was just inducted into the USA Hockey Hall of Fame, I believe. So hopefully sometime soon he will be in the real one in Toronto because there is truly nobody else that deserves it more than him. And and I believe we've talked about this before. We're, we're very proponents of, of putting Stan Fischler in the Hockey Hall of Fame on this podcast. We're Stan Stans. <laughs> well, let's not wait any longer then. Let's bring in Maven Stan Fischler right after this on Up in the Blue Seats. Here's the thing. It's not the fear of losing the fight. It's the embarrassment of losing the fight in front of 20,000 people. We have a legendary guest gracing us with his presence today. He is a historian of hockey, one of the most well-known New York hockey broadcasters, and a guy that you can always count on for a good joke. He was one of my first mentors. I was his intern for a bit early on during my UMass days, and boy, those were the good old days. Here to chat about his new book, Tales of Brooklyn, The Rangers, and more, please welcome the one and only Stan Fischler. Stan, welcome back to the show. So happy to have you on. How are you? Molly, I couldn't have written a better intro. Oh, thank you. You know, I wanted to do you proud. I really, really, really you did. Do. You always do. Thank you very much. Of course. So first things first, Stan, your new book, Tales of Brooklyn. You can buy it on Amazon. Last time I checked, it said there were just four left in stock. So you better hurry now. From what I've gathered, this is your origin story, no? You know, what What went into making this book and, and what was different about this one compared to all the other ones that you've written? Molly, this book originated with a hockey player. Mm -hmm. The hockey player is now the devil's radio analyst, uh, Glenn Chico Resch. Now, I worked a lot of years doing devil's games with Chico and we'd be on the road together and he was always fascinated with uh, the old Brooklyn that I grew up in. You got to remember, uh, when I was three years old and uh, getting to learn what the surroundings were, that was 1935. So he was interested in that. And I used to tell him stories. And he was fascinated with a story about my Aunt Hattie. Chico loved this story so much, he would kept, keep asking me to, tell it, you know, every month or so. And finally, a year and a half ago, I get an email from Chico and he says, my wife, Diane, wants you to write down that story, email it to her, which I did. And I got an answer two, two or three days later from Diane. She says, can you write me another story like this? Well, of course, that was easy. I, I had a million of them. <laughs> So I wrote, I wrote another one. And she said, give me another one. So by the third one, I said, what the hell am I doing giving it to, uh, to Diane? I'll send doing it all to this for free. I know I, yeah, I could send it to some of my friends and see what they think of it. And 
finally, when I got to the 20th one, Molly, my agent said, my literary agent said, if you can do 30, we got a book. Well, I did 35 and your, your grandfather has the book. Yes, I was saying that, uh, I, you know, I, I was lucky I got a, a copy in the mail the other day and I didn't even have it for an hour. And my grandfather picked it up off the table and stole it. So now I have to wait and he gets to read it first. But <laughs> so I'll, I'll let you know what he thinks of it, Stan. But you know, switching to, to current hockey a little bit, I'd imagine our listeners want to hear your thoughts on the Rangers this season, as polarizing as they are. Are they legitimate Stanley Cup contenders or legitimate playoff contenders? I guess just what have you made of the Rangers this season, Stan? I, have, I write three hockey news columns every week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. The Wednesday one is a nostalgia one called Archives. Mm-hmm. I wrote this two weeks ago. I said the Rangers are a one, one move away from winning the cup. They have, to have, they have to have a captain. Now, oh, yeah, <laughs> that's the question. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me go back, let me go back to uh, September. September, the Hockey News puts out an annual, and they have about six really smart cookies who write for them, and they do uh, predictions. And they picked the Rangers out of the playoffs. I don't know whether they had them last or not, but they had them way, way down. And I said, this is, I said it then, I said, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. I'm looking at the, you know, the only thing that the Rangers did wrong last season, they did two things very wrong. They lost two games to the Islanders. Mm-hmm. If they had beaten Islanders those two games, they would have made their players, but they didn't. Okay, so now you got Drury who inherited some very good stuff from uh, Gorton and, and uh, the guys, and... They've made every move that they've made is a smart move. They got tough. The answer to your question is they are a legitimate contender. What makes them even better as a legitimate contender, they're not being talked of with the Carolinas, the Avalanche, of course, Tampa Bay, you can't rule rule them out, and Florida. And they're in a really, you know, they're in, I mean, in a hypothetical position like, you know, you're coming around into the home stretch there in a position to make them move, which they will do. I disagree <clears throat> vehemently with the idea that they don't have a captain. It doesn't cost anything to give a guy a C. You buy a C and you put it on and that's <laughs> it. And the guy, uh, I'm sure you'll agree with me that uh, the defenseman who owns the Norris Trophy should be the captain. But maybe mm. you don't agree with me. No, that's that's uh, that's not that's not a hot take. People have said that Adam Fox no, should be he's the smartest guy on the team on the ice, probably the smartest off the ice. He went a Harvard, Harvard degree. <laughs> yeah, well, that doesn't mean anything to Brooklyn College guy like. All me. right. <laughs> we, had, we, had a, we had a cheap. You know, my tuition was in 1950 when I went to Brooklyn. Oh, God. 50 bucks. 50 bucks. I was going to say, don't tell this to someone that is up to their ears in student loans, Dan. I don't need to hear about that. I'm too uh, jealous. Anyhow, uh, uh, Adam should be the captain. Now, if they if if uh, they didn't cry to the captain, I wouldn't go into the corner and sulk. I mean, uh, so you got but for crying out loud, give him a let's have a captain. You know what's wrong with that? I don't I don't get that. Well, Stan, Stan, let me let me kind of uh, 
make a comment on that. And some people put a good argument up. There are times where you believe a guy is capable of being a captain, but you put the C on him, all of a sudden he feels the pressure of being a captain and he kind of gets lost on all of the power of being a captain. He's not himself anymore. And I think we saw that in Ryan McDonough. So my question to you is, is it not okay to just allow four or five guys as a group to be captains and all provide leadership instead of one guy absorbing a lot of that pressure? Because not all guys could, could take that on. Or in the um, Rangers' case, six alternate captains. I'm going to ask yeah. you a question, and I will answer it. When was the last time a team won the Stanley Cup without having a captain? The Boston Bruins, uh, you know, before the wheel was invented. So, <laughs> so let's let's not let's not uh, kid around. What are you you worried about, Fox? That'll even make his game better. He's not the kind of guy who will uh, fall apart. Now, I wouldn't say that uh, uh, Ryan McDonough was exactly uh, a lousy captain, but that's not the point. We're not talking about We're talking about now and, and the future. So uh, that's, uh, I mean, I'll be able, I'll contribute. I know a, a store near here where they sell seeds for about, Stan's about to go buy the sea himself and ship it to the Rangers with a little note that says, here, I bought it for you. Give it to someone. Six shekels and you can do what you want with it. <laughs> well, Stan, listen, I, I agree with you. I'm just bringing it up because it's it's an argument that some people are making. And if you ask Mark Messier, he will say the same thing. He will say, when's the last time a team went to the Stanley Cup? without a legit captain, someone taking the lead. So I agree with you. I just thought, I just wanted to hear what your thoughts were on it. To kind of switch things up, I just want to make a mention and a congratulations, because we haven't talked, to you uh, going into the USA Hockey Hall of Fame. I know you were, in, uh, as a journalist and as a broadcaster, I know you made the tour around New York, and I, I'm assuming you really enjoyed that. But I, my question is this, when you think of all that, what are you most grateful for with your journey, having done what you've done? Well, it's certainly not one thing. I mean, uh, let's face it, Molly Walker is an example. I, I'm so proud of all the uh, interns over the years. Uh, they, they, never, they never asked me to change the term from intern to slave. <laughs> very nice, very nice. No, but so many of them, well, uh, Molly is doing so well, and she was one of my most recent ones. Jessica Berman is the deputy commissioner of the National Lacrosse League. Uh, Frank Brown was uh, went from the Daily News to Gary Bettman's right-hand man. So I'm very, very proud of them, and I'm very grateful that so many of them is stay, uh, have stayed in touch. I just uh, heard from Frank. Uh, well, Frank was at the Hall of Fame ceremony. So uh, that, of course, is one. And I'm very pleased that I was very able, for many, many years, I was married to Shirley for 48 years, and we collaborated without killing each other <laughs> uh, on many books. And, uh, uh, you know, have a wife who loves hockey, uh, probably, uh, uh, you know, with all the women coming into hockey now, I always feel that Shirley was, you know, could have been one of them. She had a great natural... A grasp of the game. And, 
know, to think of my, uh, I've uh, covered a lot of bases. So, Stan, I, uh, last time you were on the show, I decided I was going to try to stump you with a hockey question, and I was able to do it. <laughs> so I'm going to try it again. All right, here we go. So you've written over 100 books, or you've been part of the writings of 100 books, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In 1982, you wrote a book. What is the name of that book? Which, which one was it? <laughs> <laughs> 1982? 81, 82, you came out with a book. Well, do you I remember, know. Do you remember? Oh, you might as well tell me. <laughs> well, I, I'm asking you. No you idea remember? what the heck I was doing in 1982. I know that was when the Islanders had the dynasty going. So tell me. All right. Well, you put me on the cover of one of your books. Ooh. And here it is. Yeah, yeah that's right. The new breed. <laughs> the new breed, Dad. Yes. And, and I, I have this in my office. It's something very special for oh. me because anyone who considers putting me on their cover, a man like yourself, it, uh, it, was, uh, it was very pleasing for me. And I have it. Wait, a minute, all your wait, a minute, wait a minute, Ronnie. Wait a minute. Yeah. I, you, you failed me. You were supposed to do a book report for me on that book. Oh, yeah, Ron, you're late. Good yeah, points I'm off. I'm only kidding. That was, a, yeah. that was a bad joke. Bad joke. Sorry. Yeah. Stan, you never tell bad jokes. Tell that to, you should have told that to my wife. Well, Stan, before we let you go, we have one more thing for you. Obviously, you're known for the five Fischlers. So I have to find out from you, who are your top five Rangers of all time that you got Ooh. to watch or you currently watch? Who makes your top five? Well, I go back to uh, Charlie Rayner, the goalie who won the Hart Trophy, even though they finished fourth. A marvelous man. Uh, took the team to the cup final in uh, 50. Can you imagine? They're up against the Red Wings in the cup final, and they couldn't play a single game at the Garden. They had to play all seven games on the road, five in Detroit and two in Toronto. And yet... And they and they took him into double overtime. So Charlie Rayner, I, I definitely won. I was very very friendly uh, with Wally Herkesheimer, who was uh, <clears throat> the uh, leading scorer in the early fifties. I love Wally. So uh, Wally Herkesheimer for sure. And uh, later on, I, there there were just so many guys. I, I uh, Brad Park. I did Brad Park's book. I did Rod Jill Bear's book. These were these are guys who were buddies of mine, and uh, and of course I did uh, Henrik. Uh, that one time that I did him was uh, very poignant for me. He was just he made me he made me feel very comfortable, very very comfortable. And of course uh, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's already a living legend. In fact, I'm giving him my title. <laughs> my, the living. So th those are guys, I mean, uh, when I was at the garden and they honored me, who came along with Brad Park or Ronnie Greshner to give me this beautiful gift that the Rangers in the garden gave me. So, uh, and Ronnie Greshner, another, another, you know, again, this is like, you know, how, I, these, these are like my children in a, in a, in a way. These, all of these guys, Hyde Buller, who was a great Jewish defenseman. Hyde Buller, I compared Hyde Buller to Adam Fox because Buller came to the Rangers and in his rookie year, he was a second All-Star. Mm -hmm. Pretty good. And he played the same kind of game that Foxy plays now. Uh, so, I mean, 
I would say that I would say of all the guys in the team, Aldo was my best friend until he passed away about ten years ago. But you know, it's it's a, it's a very good question, <laughs> but <laughs> but I can't be narrowed down to one guy. That's 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 the answer. Stan, I'm right here. So oh, what, wait a minute. Make your top five. <laughs> I forgot Ronnie Dugay. Ron is like I'm offended. <laughs> I, I keep waiting. I keep waiting yeah. for something. This is such a delight. I should pay you guys for having me on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you had fun. We had just as much fun, Stan, and we'll definitely have to have you on the show again in the future. Thanks so much well, for your time. Wanna, okay, I want to ask any one of you can answer it. Yes or no? Are they going to name a captain before the playoffs? No. Okay. No. No. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Stan. Okay, thank you, guys. That is the most on-brand thing I think I may have ever heard from you. Hockey Hall of Fame Rangers beat writer at the Post, Larry Brooks. I, I think there's room for different styles. There's room for different resumes. Are you sick of me after spending three straight days in the car next to this face? <laughs> it was a rather pleasant experience, I have to say. Because you've been doing this, what, for over 40 years. It's an important part of the experience to understand the fabric of a team. Giving Henrik Lundqvist his nickname is, is one of the coolest things in my entire career. He blames or gives credit to you for that nickname, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, Larry, I'm in agreement with you. No. <laughs> Okay. It was great to get to know Brooksy, and he became part of my journey. You know, he was there every day. One year, the Islanders gave out bathrobes that uh, lasted for about a game. You know, guys were walking around in their bathrobes like, what, what is this? We're only seeing the tip of the iceberg. All right, can we ask Larry a, a, a yeah. hockey question? We... It's a two-part answer. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Yes, welcome Larry Brooks. You can follow Larry at NYP underscore Brooksy and read him in the New York Post at nypost.com, in the physical paper, and Post Sports Plus. Larry, lots of rumors about Rangers JT Miller reunion. What are the actual chances of that happening? And what would the Rangers have to do to make it work, do you think? Uh, listen, I, I think it's a, it, there are several variables here. The Rangers have been interested in JT for months. Um, they've they've monitored him for months. They started talking to actually the old regime in Vancouver about JT, I think a couple of months ago. And JT Miller now is going to be one of the real chips on the market. There's no question about it. There are a lot of teams are going to be interested in him. You know, he's, he is a top six presence in the NHL and the Rangers could use a top six presence to, depending on how Chris Jury sees this equation and, and Gerard Gallant and, and the hierarchy see this equation. I think he fits. I think he fits this year on the right side, one of their top two lines, probably with Panarin and uh, Strom. And then if Ryan Strom does not sign an extension, which he hasn't signed it yet. So, you know, I, I think both sides are, are optimistic, but you know, when, when something's not done, it's not done. So if, if Strom were to leave as a free agent, then JT Miller could slide in as their second line center next season because he can play both, obviously. It's going to be costly. And uh, I, I'm sure that Jim Rutherford in Vancouver is going to bid him up. And, you know, so what price is fair for the Rangers to pay? I, I think you can take five or six prospects off the board. The Rangers aren't dealing. Um, I think they're chips right now. And, and I, 
I, I believe we discussed this a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think their biggest chip right now is Nils Lundqvist. I, I certainly think that uh, Philip Heedle is is on the table. Obviously, Vitaly Kravtsov is out there and, and maybe the first rounder. But, you know, if, if Rutherford were to ask for more than that, I think the, the Rangers uh, push away from the table and look somewhere else. So, you know, th- this isn't going to be an easy one for Chris because as the Rangers keep winning games, <laughs> you know, they, they keep telling the general manager that they're for real. And, you know, but, you know, I, I can swerve off here, too. So much of the Rangers, I think, success is a function of their chemistry in the room, whatever it is. We, we don't know exactly what it is, but it's a really interesting group. I agree. And you don't want to suddenly throw, um, you don't want to take a team that's been really tight all year and suddenly add three or four new pieces to it you know, a month before the season ends and and then have the coach figure out where everybody's role is and, and three or four roles change. So th- there's a lot. There's a really a lot here for Chris. In a way, this kind of leads into my next question. You recently wrote about Gerard Gallant's infectious belief has and how it's influenced the Rangers this season. In talking to some of the players about their new coach, what have you noticed and, and just what have you personally made of Gallant so far? Well, you know... <laughs> We, we touched on this earlier in the year, but th- this is an old school hockey guy. Um, you know, he, he is, you could see him, you know, behind the bench in the original six. Uh, on, <laughs> you, know, he, you know, and, and he, they, they keep everything close. They keep everything tight. I know he can be biting, you know, he, he you know, and, and I know he can be biting and he can be uh, critical, but he is as supportive a head coach as I've seen. I mean, you know, honestly, it, it's like every message is positive from him. Everything is. And and the players, you know, when I, I spoke to uh, Mika and, and, and Kreider and, and Strom specifically about him, what we see from him is is pretty much what the players get from him every day. Um, it's It's just supportive and constructive criticism and go out there and you know it, it's frustrating as a writer for him you know <laughs> yeah you know, we've talked about this he, he's not the kind of guy you're going to hand your notebook to and say fill it you know <laughs> he'll hand it back to you with with two sentences on it but i i can imagine how appreciative the players are of of that because he you know the only times actually he has really gotten on the team is after, um, well, twice. Once they they, they uh, lost a one nothing game. But then a couple of weeks ago, they won a game, and he came down on them. And and so he understands how to pick his spots. It's not complicated. Come to the rink. His, you know, his his support for players who are struggling is, is I think, extremely noteworthy. You know, he, you know, and, and his his approach is, and, 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 um, this is what I think Zibanejad said to me is he doesn't expect us to be perfect. He understands that we're going to make mistakes. And Gallant says that all the time. He, he does. He comes in and he says, yeah, he, he made a mistake, but everyone's going to make a mistake. We all make mistakes. And I think that his personality has become, you know, it's a po- he's a positive beacon and they have grabbed onto it. Their six captain or six alternate approach has worked. I think a lot of people were skeptical of it at the start. It has worked for this group. A little less than five weeks to go, 15 games to go until the deadline. Uh, It's going to be very, very interesting. Larry, last week, the Montreal Canadiens, they let go of their head coach, Dominic Ducharme, and they brought in 
former New York Ranger, Marty St. Louis, as their interim head coach. And I'm just kind of curious at this point, you know, what's your take on the whole situation there? Do you think this is a good move on their part, considering that Marty has never been at the helm of an NHL club before? I'm not sure. It's an interesting experiment. I wrote the other day that the entire approach in Montreal seems to be a, an interesting lab experiment to me. Um, look, Mar- Marty, Marty and Mark Messier, to me, are very, very similar personalities. They're not, they don't have similar stature, you know, physical stature. Um, and, 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 you know, Mark obviously had greater innate physical gifts, but um, they both were prime motivators. They, they you know, th- that, that was their strength, the, the, the will, the way they could pull their teammates with them. I wonder whether he has the patience to deal with all the mistakes, all of the, the you know, the valleys the Canadian, you know, the Canadians are going to make and going to be in over the next while because if he, you know, if he likes this and if, if the uh, organization likes his work and he's hired full time, this is a long rebuild process in Montreal, and I'm just not sure. You know, there are very, very few great players who make great coaches. So I think there are a lot of challenges for San Luis. I, I, I don't think you can win just by motivation. I don't. I, you know, we, we've just talked about how you, you set the mood and, and maybe Marty can do that in Montreal. But you but you also need to be able to coach. I, I don't know. You know, is Marty's wherever he played 17, 18 years in the NHL? Is that is that enough experience? What kind of staff does he have? Um, how is he going to react in games? Can he make in-game adjustments? I don't know. But I, again, I, I, I guess when I look at Montreal, I think it's an interesting experiment. And they really have nothing to lose. It was a great PR move for them. People are no longer talking about how bad they are, how embarrassing they are. All the focus is on San Louis. You know, but again, will, you know, will, will his personal experience rub off on on his players i don't know i guess we will find out well thanks so much larry and we'll chat again next week that's yeah, a cliffhanger you know. <laughs> <laughs> see you guys well let me address the married and not married part <laughs> <laughs> i love that that's the first thing you're going to and that wraps up episode 76 the brady shea edition of up in the blue seats our rangers podcast from the new york post well thank you andrew hart for producing the show another fun one uh molly and i always enjoy talking with of course larry but uh stan Fischler. i describe him as a very unique man he's seen a lot he's done a lot and when you think of him as a 89 year old mm-hmm. while wow, he is sharp as a tack and always good for stories and always a pleasure to have him on. I think, Molly, you have to feel the same. I couldn't agree more. I just, what a, what an awesome interview that was. So much fun. He is just an endless walk of stories and jokes. And, and how could you not enjoy his presence? I mean, what a gem. Well, especially after listening to that whole interview. I mean, honestly, it, it's kind of amazing how he isn't in the Canada Hockey Hall of yeah. Fame yet. And, and honestly, there, there really should be a push to get him in at this point because he really does just has a wealth of knowledge. And he spread that wealth, not just to us fans, but to players like Ron and and to, to students and and now reporters like you, Molly. It's a disgrace. This is a this is a PSA from the Up in the Blue Seats podcast to uh, the Toronto Hockey Hall of Fame. You better put Stan in. 
before we come and make you. <laughs> well, how appropriate would it be on his birthday that he gets a phone call? Happy birthday. And by the way, by the going way. In, yes, you're going to the NHL Hockey Hall of Fame. Stan turns 90 years young soon, and you would never know it by that interview. Well, do us a favor. Give us a five-star rating and write it in a nice review on Apple Podcasts. You could also give us a five-star rating on Spotify now. We would really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. For number 10, Ron Duguay, Molly Walker, I'm Andrew Hart. We will be back next week. So will the return of the podfather, Jake Brown. So definitely come back, tune in for that. Until then, we'll talk to you next time. Later.